coming up on this episode of Belief Hole. In Bulgaria, in the 1990s, a story is whispered in the small village of Sarichina, a secret buried beneath the earth. But the promise of ancient treasure quickly becomes the quest for an ancient being, a cosmic progenitor of all human life entombed in a catacomb sought by the Bulgarian military who are guided by psychics and remote viewers to dig, triggering inexplicable phenomena witnessed by villagers and military personnel alike. On this episode of Belief Hole, join us as we excavate the mystery of the Sarichina Hole and recount tales of strange flying craft, unknown entities, and psychotronic attack. Synchronicity, Sasquatch, Homunculus, Alien Races, Satanism in Hollywood, MK Ultra, Tartaria. There's like a whole, I've been watching this one guy. Like, close the door, in. Jeremy, close your door! What's the uh, inner earth disagreements? Ghost Dad. <laughs> I like that movie. Dogman, Bohemian Grove, Magicians are Demons, Specters, Spirit Summonings, Strange Disappearances, Sky Whale Phenomena, yes. Alternative History, Shadow People. Shh, quiet, I'm trying to say words with the mouth. It's getting dicey out there. Poltergeists. That's cool. Anunnaki. What is the moon? <laughs> Elf Towers. I would never talk about it. That's old. Y2K. Cover ups. Apocalyptic catastrophe. Vampire. Vampire. Woo! Yo! <laughs> that face. Well, hello, hello. Hi. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of The Belief Hole. I'm one of your hosts, Jeremy. I'm number two, John. I am in position three. <laughs> I'm Chris. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to a wonderful, strange episode of The Belief Hole. Yes, unique episode, I hear. Listeners have already heard the intro, but John, you probably don't know too much about what this episode involves. I know, literally zero. That's the perfect place to start. Zero percent. Blank canvas. Perfect place to start is, yes, a blank canvas, a tabula rasa, as they say. Because if you don't know anything starting out, then you don't make assumptions about what is true. And with this story specifically, I had some assumptions. I'd seen the story bantied about on the internet in various places. And I'll say specifically, there's a popular channel, Bedtime Stories, that I saw this on initially years ago couple years ago. And I thought, wow, what a story. Had some creepypasta tones with the uh, military battle at the end. I won't get too much into it yet. But I thought there must be something here or there could be something here and what a story that would be. And I did some research back then and found some stuff that was pretty exciting. Um, I remember you talking about it back then. Yeah. So I will just say to start that in researching this episode, there were some serious challenges. There were issues I had with trying to find original source information translating from Bulgarian. Thank you, Google Translate. Um, a lot of sources, Google, Google, <laughs> they're Google. great, just good people there. Um, and then the destruction and loss of the original records is a real thing of the operation that happened in Sarichina, Bulgaria. Yeah. Tell us what is this operation, Jeremy? Well, let me get to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice grab on your drink. Gulp. You like almost missed it. This is, well, I'm a, little, I'm a little shaky. It's a big topic. And, uh, you know, this is one of those topics where I didn't think it was going to be so deep and wide. You know, one of those rabbit hole topics, you get going and you're like, you realize that what you heard on the various channels and places you were looking, at least the popular media that had told the story, totally skipped 
a gigantic portion of this that I think is fascinating that we're going to get into that I don't know if you'll hear in other places. And you found some really fascinating corroborative evidence of this event that had not been uncovered before. That's what made me take this seriously. I'll get to that. But yeah, it connects to just doing some preliminary research initially on this and finding some corroboration from the CIA itself that this actually happened, that this took place. So let me back up a little bit. John. Present. Do you remember what it was like? <laughs> I want you to picture this, okay? December 6, 1990. Let me take you back. You're curled up on the couch in your karate outfit watching He-Man. With the smell of pee. <laughs> <laughs> Did it not get washed too much? Oh, I peed to bed every night and mom would... <laughs> Please leave this in there. <laughs> Didn't she end up destroying... I, I would not let her... Yeah, she shredded it and said the your washing machine outfit. ate it. Because it smelled so much? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember going to school one time and she got so mad she didn't even care anymore and my my uh, she needed it gone karate gi was totally soaked in piss oh, God. oh you didn't care more you just let it go and i realized at school that i just smelled like how old were you seven it's understandable seven or eight maybe and i it was bad <laughs> and then it was destroyed by mom yeah then she shredded but it. she said that the laundry machine ate it right yep. okay well i wasn't expecting that detour in the story <laughs> let me let me continue taking you back without the trauma of that so you're watching He-Man on TV. It up. You still have the karate gi, so this is pre-trauma. While mom's in the kitchen cooking tuna noodle casserole to the backdrop of the hit soap opera Days of Our Lives, dad's pulling in a pine tree he cut down from his outdoor biology lab. It's December, December 6th, just before Christmas, 1990. Our family is safely tucked away in the predictable suburban reality of Stonewood Street. But far away, a mystery is brewing. Across the ocean, just beyond the Black Sea, in the heart of Bulgaria, lies a peaceful little village known as Saricina. But beneath the village lies a secret, a treasure of cosmic implications waiting to be unearthed, or so the story goes. On December 6, 1990, the Bulgarian military rolled into the sleepy little village and occupied it for two whole years, under cover of secrecy they dug. Then suddenly on November 19, 1992, the Ministry of Defense inexplicably halted the expedition, packed up their equipment and left. But before they did, they filled the 160-meter hole that they had dug with concrete, sealing the mystery to this day. Wow, that's a deep hole. You look disturbed. I am. It's scary. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to like connect it to our experience and our viewers with the 90s nostalgic reference. Yeah. Where were you when this happened, you know, that kind of thing? 1990. John had his karate gi. <laughs> Still at it. Two years is a long time to occupy a little village. Yeah. I imagine that must have been quite the interruption for the poor folks that live there. Well, that was the What's interesting thing. the size thing. of the town? Do you know? Yes, I do. Now, this is an interesting factoid, John. I'm glad you brought this up. The size of Saricina is 7.758 miles squared. Sounds like a sauce. Saricina. Like sriracha? It does. Got some kick. Oh, by the way, hello to our seven Bulgarian listeners. <laughs> the show is dedicated to you. I hope that we don't mispronounce everything too much. There's probably one person that listens to seven different shows. That was my thought too. It could, could be one guy like just passing through on his way to Serbia and just had downloaded it <laughs> seven times. So for reference, John, that size, it's it's half the size of Canal Fulton, where we grew up. Stonewood Street, we referenced earlier. Yeah. That's, Our small hometown. That, like four, 3,000 people? For us, we have 5,325 people now in Canal no. Fulton. They have 50. Thousand? 50 people. 50 people. Mm -hmm. Was it more before the, the operation that took place there? It's not even a town. Well, and that's, it's a village, uh, but it is... It's not even a village. It's a family. Well, now. But that's part of the kind of the oh, story that's of... now? Yeah. What was it back then? I'm not sure, but it was more. It was a village, a small village outside of Sofia, the capital of Bulgaria. But it was more, and part of the problem, and this is, goes to actually the context 
of the story is that right when this took place, 1990, they had just left communism. They left the Eastern Bloc. Bye. Bye, communism. And in an effort to, <laughs> an effort to transition to a pro-liberal democratic society, however they referred to it, from what I'd read, the communist elites had actually pioneered the transition. So a lot of the land was given back to the original heirs, the people that owned the land, property owners before communism, however they traced that, I don't know. Farming families and stuff. Right. But they didn't do it in a way that would maintain the farms they currently had. They just kind of cut everything off and dropped it back. From what I read, what I understand, you guys can look this up, there's show notes on this. But basically what happened was it caused a massive decline in the economy. They were scrambling political and economic upheaval at this moment. At this moment when they begin to dig this hole. Yeah. They dig a hole that costs them 16 million lev, the currency. Yeah. So in this time of where the economy is not doing well, they're concerned about that and the transition over this period of two years where they're digging in this hole for, well, what I will get to momentarily about why they're digging this mysterious hole. They dug and spent 16 million lev, which at the time was $8.5 million, US dollars in our terms. And accounting for inflation, that's about 19 and a half, 20 million dollars they spent. Jeez. Over two years digging a hole, a hole. Little village. In this little village outside the capital of Bulgaria. To look for, there's a question. Yeah, what are they looking for? This is the townspeople doing it? No, so this is the military. The Bulgarian military rolled into town. So basically they invaded a town to dig a giant hole. Oh, okay. They That's put, why I was wondering how many people were there because imagine a military force operating in your town for two whole years. Yeah, you'd think that they would just make everyone leave. That's the interesting thing is that it was not that secured. Well, they put up camouflage fences. No one could go in. There was a tent over the hole and digging. But there were curious aspects to it that I think pointed a lot of people to the idea that this was all just for transitioning money from hand to hand from the powers that were there at the time of this big, they called it the transition, the Bulgarian transition. It was a way to filter money out through the military by spending all this money on a hole in oh, interesting. Sarichina. Yeah. That's one theory. The problem is they were actually digging here. And even from what I found, according to the CIA, they knew about the expedition for this mysterious object number one. Right. Let's get into it. What is being dug and why? What are they looking for? I am. What are they looking for, Jeremy? Do you have some answers for us? I do. There are two ideas about what is being dug here in Sarichina in 1990. So like I said, the sad thing about Sarichina, Bulgaria in general at this time, is that the rural area is dying. Yeah. The grandparents that live there now have this phrase, at least they've been quoted as saying, our grandchildren are foreigners because everyone has left to other neighboring countries that are more prosperous and, or at least to the city of Sofia, which is the capital there. For greener pastures. For greener pastures. And it's real sad. And there's people that are working on it. It's a whole deep well of interesting story that I'd like to get into. We don't have time. It'll be in the show notes. Hat tip to Bulgaria. So it begins. This is the general consensus of how it begins. Some people believe this story this cover story, this story of, well, I guess I'll just go ahead and spill the beans on what the story is, John. What the initial story is, it's a story of treasure. Buried treasure. Hmm. Deep beneath Sarichina Earth. Better be a lot of treasure to make $8 million back. A million, yeah, at the time, 8 million US dollars, about 16 million level. $8.1 million back then was a lot of money. Well, accounting for today, it's inflation, it's like $20 million. So what kind of treasure could yield something worth that much expense to dig? Well, I'm glad you asked. Bitcoin. So the <laughs> buried Bitcoin <laughs> before Bitcoin was created. It was the beginning stage. It was the initial paper of, what is it, the, the Satoshi? Satoshi Nakamoto was down there. That was him. He was the first human. Because, my friend, that's what they believed was down there. The first human. What? The first man. Really? Mm -hmm. Hanging out. But not an atom, if oh, you will. That's getting interesting. A cosmic man. Cosmic man. An androgynous cosmic person. Prometheus. Exactly. That's what this warps weirdly into. Let's get into the beginning of the story, the kind of basic treasure hunt idea, and see how this morphs, okay? Yeah, how did it begin? 
So the official account initially was that a man came to the military or came to the uh, association phenomenon or the phenomenon association. I'm not exactly sure the translation of that. This group that was working with the military or at least began working with the military after came to them claiming that in a dream, in a dream, he saw the path to the treasure of the czar Samuel, this king, this czar of ancient times. Let's read a little bit. Let's read a little bit about his account of what he was saying was there before we get into the crazy cosmic aspect of this. So this is the story that we hear initially. A man by the name of Kekamanov from the village of Gradets had a dream in which Vazov, Rakovsky, Levsky, and other famous 19th century Bulgarian revolutionaries came to him with information of a great and lost treasure. Now remember at this time, guys, economy not doing great. Also important to note that in the history of Bulgaria in this area, that treasure hunting, it's like a cultural thing there because there's so much history, legend and lore there, treasures buried and lost that this is like a regular thing, even with military involvement in the past, government involvement. Beats geocaching. According to Kekamanov's story, Rakovsky put his hand on his shoulder in the dream and said, quote, Dmitri, Bulgarian, lead the Bulgars. He went on to tell them that he received information that he is a descendant from Tsar Samuel and that he has to accomplish something great. He confided to members of Association Phenomenon that in Tsarichina is located a large golden treasure. This he received from the, quote, cosmic intelligence. Hmm. And he contacted the military because the military, he thought, wouldn't seek to profit from it. They took him seriously. Yeah. Why? Well, this is the question. <laughs> this is the question. And maybe this next part will answer it. This, this story gets so weird and deep, and I hope we have time. We'll at least have time to get into some of it and hint at the roots of what's really going on, potentially. This next bit comes from Colonel Naplatanov, chief of the scientific section at the general staff of the Ministry of Defense. Now, this is his point of view of what's happening at this exact same time. He goes on in his report. It seems that Sorokov reported to General Minchev that Stamen Stamanov, Mystery of Defense Engineer Stamen Stamanov, Director of Phenomena Association that I mentioned earlier, has received a visit by some man from the village of Gradets who knows some family legend about ancient treasure. So see, his story's a little different. Yeah. And that he was ordered in a dream to place this treasure in the possession of the general staff. General Minchev ordered me to meet that man together with the contactees Dmitry Sarakov and Dora Petrova. This man handed me a sketch of the area and drew schematically the river. Sirakov and Dora Petrova succeeded to convince me that this man, Dmitry Kekamonov, should not return to his village because local treasure hunters knew him and could kill him. Dora Petrova insisted on this, saying that she has participated in other treasure hunts and knows the situation. Because, again, treasure hunts is like a cultural thing there. Right. Meanwhile, Sirakov, at the insistence by engineer Stamanov and Colonel Kunov, went to the home of Elizaveta Laganova. Now, this is an important character who was a contactee for the, quote, Roro star system. What? <laughs> in the evening, when I reported to the chief of general staff, there was Sirokov telling General Minchev that through channel Roro, or her channel Roro, Laganova received very important official information and asked that she be received immediately. An official car was dispatched to get her. And shortly after, she entered General Minchev's office with her husband and Sirokov. Now, this is an interesting note here. The seance lasted over two hours while I was ordered to wait in another room. Weird. So who did that come from? Who's saying this? That came from Colonel Naplatonov. Okay. Who was deeply involved, later dies. So this is a, a medium woman. She is a psychic channeler of sorts. Laganova? Yeah. Yeah. She is apparently married to an officer of some kind in the Ministry of Defense. This whole thing, as I was digging deeper and deeper, seemed to bleed into almost like a scheme by her 
and some other people who were using, potentially, at least from the colonel I just mentioned, Colonel Naplatanov, a scheme by them. Now, this is one story. I don't throw accusations because I think she's still alive, that he believed that the people involved at this level in the military and her were behind the murder of his daughter using psychotronic weapons, electronic what? electronic harassment, telepathic communication to... Like you, those one things that like directed sound waves? Exactly. That kind of stuff, except this is specifically, and maybe it is, I'm not super familiar with that. We talked about doing an episode on that, but the idea that it is... Psych- I think it's called psychotronic weapons. There's a specific one in here. We'll get to it. It's called, uh, I think it starts with an L. We'll get there. The Lipton weapon. I'm kind of jumping ahead, but I think it's important to note this now because this is an aspect of the story I haven't heard before. And it's in the original documentation reports conferences. This is his letter he wrote while asking to be reassigned after his daughter, who is one of the first psychics involved in this, who tragically jumps off a bridge after being pushed psychologically psychotronically, telepathically tortured with this technology to commit suicide. And so, and eventually so does he several years after that. We may or may not have time to get all the way to that, but that's a deeper story that I think is a plausible explanation for this whole Sarich in a Hole expedition. There's the idea that what is down there, we mentioned the proto-human, the first cosmic man that we're going to get to. The treasure. Sounds more like a dedicated audio series. Yeah, it's a lot deeper than I than I anticipated going because I'd never heard these aspects of the story. I found this document on archive.org, which archives old websites that have been shut down, and it's an original committee report called the uh, Sarichina Case Facts and Documents, Opinions and Hypotheses, Summarized Translation from Bulgarian, First Edition, 1994. So this is right after this ended. And this took place in Sofia, the capital city there in Bulgaria, 45 minutes from Sarichina. So this is information that I'd never heard before, and it happens right after that. And there's a deeper conspiracy. This does sound like a serial podcast you could really get into of who was behind this, what schemes were involved, what paranormal reality was actually there, was it being manipulated? There's the idea that the mediums and psychics involved in guiding the digging of this hole, how it would be dug, whatever information that was extracted from there. The first medium involved who was involved in the initial reconnaissance of where the site would be located that they would have to dig, that was the daughter who I mentioned had tragically committed suicide during the course of this dig. Yeah, Marina. She was the first one involved. And then later, Laganova, who's famous for it now, She's on a documentary in Bulgarian that I couldn't understand, but I saw her. She's still, I think she might still be alive. She was the last psychic involved and basically was leading the charge of where to dig, journaling symbols, ancient style writings that they sent away to get analyzed. And we'll get to that. Yeah, I feel like but we need to take a step back. And I just wanted to mention that one of the ideas behind all this too is that of the two mediums involved, we're channeling different entities. Roro was the entity that Laganova was channeling. Kiki was the one being received by Marina. Oh, interesting. That sounds a little friendlier. Kiki? Mm-hmm. Well... Kiki and Roro. It sounds like Kiki might have been the one that ended up driving her to kill herself, potentially. But the official story at the time, amongst the military who were involved in this operation, believed that these were two different star systems that were fighting over Sarichina. What? Because okay. this land is important. <laughs> this land is valuable, and there are weird attributes of the area that have to do with radio waves Pull out and frequencies. Corey Good. <laughs> it gets real crazy. But this is pre-internet, like pre all this yeah. stuff. Just a fascinating story. I mean, story. this story is just getting bigger and bigger. Okay, so let's dial it back. I just I wanted to preview a little bit of that because no, yeah, that's important. It, you've, you've mapped it out for us. Let's, let's get in there. Star system fighters. Exactly. So more on the, on the psychic angle to come. Okay, so let's move on to what is found there, okay? Yes. We're going to give a little sample of this and we'll get into a little description afterwards, but this is just a taster. John, would you read this? This is what is found. According to Colonel Zvetko Kanev, or Kanev, um, not sure I pronounce it, he's a big figure here. He wrote a book that I cannot read because it's in freaking Bulgarian and I could not find a translation anywhere uh, called The Sarichina Phenomenon. But he was, I believe, the science officer or general in charge of the investigation. And depending on what story you want to believe, 
he's being honest and truthful or he was part of the psychological manipulation psychotronic weapon campaign to test on the daughter of the colonel we talked about earlier. But this is his case. This is his story of what happened. John, would you read this brief bit here about what they found? There are known elements of the Sarechina phenomenon. Contact with the unknown partner, source of information. That's the cosmic channeling, essentially. Oh, like Roro and Kiki? Kiki? Yeah. A stationary object, even though not recognized by the official science. Accompanying texts, information, and drawings. 800 pages. And assorted activities of paranormal occurrences in the atmosphere. So what is all this that he's saying? Is he saying this is what is in the... Yeah, these are things that are found through the course of the operation, the expedition. Again, this is translated from Bulgarian, so if it sounds a little weird, just keep that in mind. Gotcha. The object number one... Even underground is a reality, visible and tangible. This can be confirmed not only by the military crew, but by anyone who could touch it. Only 1.2 meters below ground is exposed to colorful construction. Pink is a dominating color. Others are yellow, white, red, gray, black, orange, and brown. The eastern wall of the triangular opening at surface has a black arrow about one meter long. This arrow likely points to the entrance to the object. This is starting to sound more like a craft or some sort of construction. Yeah, like a temple or something built underground. Yeah. This is where it gets interesting. On the northern wall, at a depth of 5.5 meters, there is a figure resembling a human, but larger. This figure is cherry red, or so it seems by an electric light. Interesting. So you can envision that. There's something that they're seeing down there. If this is true, if what he's saying yeah. isn't true and just uh, disinformation for this weapons testing of psychotronic weapons, if this really happened. Now, the interesting thing is when I first heard the story, I didn't know anything about the psychics manipulation or all that kind of stuff. But I, I figured maybe since it's a military operation, allegedly, if I want to prove that this happened, I can go to the CIA or some FOIA request and see if there's any mention of Sarichina, right? Yeah. In first case. So I did. I went and I found a website that catalogs FOIA requests. And I just searched... Sarichina, and from a four request released in 2008. Sorry, did you search a, a date too? Like a time period? I just searched Sarichina. Oh, wow. There's apparently not, a, it's this tiny village in Bulgaria, yeah. so there's not going to be a lot of records from the CIA. So I found in 2008 this FOIA request that was released in one mention of Sarichina, and it says, Operation from December 6, 1990 to November 19th, 1992. Mm, that's the exact that's, timeline. Yeah. Carried out by the Bulgarian Ministry of Defense near the village of Sarichina in the western region of Kostinbrod, Bulgaria, in excavating object number one. Oh, crazy. You got the actual... Wow. So that's verification that the CIA was aware. Knew of an expedition for something under the ground outside or near Sarichina known as object number one. That's crazy because that, that corroborates at least what the colonel was saying in the statement here, referring to it as object number one. So there was definitely an awareness. That was the language used, and that's the language the CIA had picked up somehow and released it. Unless the CIA is all, and this is, it's, it's so convoluted and interesting because one of the accusations is that the weapons testing or the, the psychotronic weapon or even the information being given to the mediums, if or the psychics, if it was true, that it was being fed from a, I forget what they refer to it as, but basically a larger country a bigger political player. That's where some of the translations of what Laganova had transcribed after she supposedly had it sent to Israel for academics to study the languages and you had, like, the, the, the symbols f- she'd been writing down. Okay. She'd been basically remote viewing all this information from the whole, from something down there, from this hmm. proto-human original cosmic man that, that existed in a state of, of not... Panspermia. Exactly. 
Kind of. Not, not being dead or alive, also supposedly androgynous. This thing down there, that's what was being alleged. So it was supposed to be in a sort of, sort of stasis. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Neither dead nor alive. <laughs> was it down there? Who knows? But it doesn't seem like it was Sar Samuel's treasure. Now, was that just a piece of disinfo to get the... That was an idea was that if the people necessarily wouldn't back an expedition at the time because of the economy, spending millions of leva to go down and search for psychics believing that there was the cosmic man down there. But if you said it's a treasure that could help the economy and everything, of course, it's more digestible. More believable. More believable, too. So that would be the cover story. So, yeah, the language, again, in that CIA document that I found would suggest that, at least according to the CIA, there was something actually there to be excavated and it was referred to as Object 1. So that's interesting. Take what you want from that. Was the CIA involved in disinformation or were they actually recording something that was yeah. happening legitimate in Bulgaria. And for what it's worth, just that little that little uh, sentence there at the end that the colonel has in a statement about what they discovered, just the, the statement that says, on the northern wall at a depth of 5.5 meters, there is a figure resembling a human but larger. The figure is cherry red, or so it seems by electric light. I don't know, for some reason, that last little detail... Sounds like they were there. It sounds a little believable, just that he had said, so it seems by electric light. Like, it might not be, but we were using electric light. It's just like an offhand comment, Yeah, but it almost makes it seem more grounded in reality. Yeah, who knows what they saw. There was a, cherry, a giant cherry red man, though. I don't know. It's a little hard to see. His description of the different colors of the structure as they were going down, there were geologists, that you know, skeptics that said, this is just the strata of the rock, mm, Yeah, and that you're looking too much into it. But if they really saw this, I mean, who knows? Yeah. You know, but this is the story, and it's from official sources. So before we get to the break here, I wanted to go over, if you search this on the internet, you're going to find this story. And I wasn't going to include it, or this account, I should say. I wasn't going to include it because initially I couldn't find any sources of where this came from. It just seemed like a potentially copy-pasted story, which it is on most places. I didn't know where it came from. But after doing all this research, most of this is official story from official sources. Not to say that it's true, but it is what the story that was given an original testimony at the original conference hearing that I'll reference in the notes and original documentation. Just nobody linked it. Well, this is the thing. It supposedly comes from the book by the colonel, Colonel Konev, but there's no translation. This is the only translation, and that's probably why it's been copy-pasted so much, because it's from a, uh, a lawyer, a Bulgarian lawyer, who studied at the Faculty of Law at Plodiv, Plavdiv University. I'm so bad at trying to pronounce this stuff. But his name is Miroslav Minchev. He's been studying for, I guess, 10 years and reporting on this kind of paranormal stuff. But anyways, finding that reference made me think we should at least include this because this is the most well-known version of the story. Yeah. And it makes for good reading. Take from it what you will. But some of this is apparently only in his book that I have not been able to find or translate. But it seems based on what I could find that credibly this is actually in the colonel's book, whether the book is true or false. So who would like to read this one? I'll do it. Okay. Is it in this book? Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Go, Chris. Go, Chris. Ah. Ooh, I like that. We should do it every time I'm about to do something. <laughs> Anywhere. Chris, 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 which was defined to be a biological protection slab by the remote viewer, Eli Laganova. Dangerous to human life bacteria were engraved on it, and its destruction was risky. Going into the spiral layers lost in depth, the military encountered another barrier, a slab in the shape of a concave lens. To its right, a wall was discernible, whose constituent parts formed a humanoid figure of a height dwarfing that of a human. 
According to another military man, who wished to remain anonymous, during the removal of the slab made of unknown metal, the researchers were hit by a beam of powerful light. After recovering from the shock, they found themselves in front of a tunnel about one and a half meters high with a silver gray floor and extremely smooth walls covered with unknown script. Colonel Kanev claims that one of his colleagues tried on three occasions to pass the threshold between the so-called X zone and Y zone, but was invariably thrown back and fell down as if crashing into an invisible wall. The fact that for centuries the region around this area has shown all signs of being a transient zone, a gateway to other worlds and dimensions, mysterious radiance, floating unidentified objects, and even the presence of miniature greenish humanoids is also remarkable. Anomalies became more frequent after the commencement of the Sunray operation. How's that interesting? Sunray operation. That's what it was called. Oh, that's what this whole thing is called? Yes. Oh, I probably should have said that earlier. It's good on. to know. <laughs> There's so much information, yeah. so many different twists and turns that in the time that I had to research this, I wasn't able to lay that out at the beginning, but it's the sunshine operation, sun ray operation, light beam. There's different kind of translations. So of this it. was the alleged experience from the colonel from his book, allegedly. Yes. That we don't have a transcription for. Right. Interesting. But that's the version you'll see online everywhere. And from what I can tell, there's every reason to believe that that is in his book, whether you want to believe him or not, he is a real guy. Interesting. Well, I'm excited to see what happens in this hole. It's going to get real interesting. We're going to get into some of the psychic phenomena, some of the phenomena that happens during the dig, because whatever's down there seems to be provoking some pretty Fordian phenomena happening in and around the dig site in the village to the military personnel and the citizens. So we're going to get into some of that and some of the languages that were supposedly dictated down by the psychics. What's really down in the hole? beneath Sarichina. Awesome. But before we do that, Chris, do you want to tell us what's coming up in the expansion episode? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm excited for this expansion episode. This has been a long time coming. Don't you remember in our first season talking about DMT elves? Oh, yeah. And the shamanic experiences people have had in the state. Yeah, we had a couple episodes that were, I thought, really interesting in the first season. If you guys haven't seen that, by now, that first season is probably archived, so send it to an expansion member to hear that. And this uh, great expansion episode, yes. Chris is reporting on. So let me just quickly put you in the mood of what we're going to be doing. For at least tens of thousands of years, mankind has utilized psychotropic plants to expand its consciousness and interact with entities, guides, and teachers in other planes of existence. True. In the past century, scientists and psychonauts alike have been focusing more and more attention on a naturally occurring chemical compound, diomethyltryptamine and its odd ability to induce altered states of consciousness that involve regular interactions with autonomous, self-aware beings that some call machine elves. Is our closest gateway to communication with non-human entities, not radio astronomy, spiritualism, or stargates, but in fact, layered within the chemical makeup within ourselves, accessed through ancient ceremony and now modern scientific experimentation. In this upcoming expansion episode, we're going to peer through the doorway and explore the compelling research and mind-bending travels from those who've experienced DMT elves and other entities. Sounds fascinating. So that's what we'll be doing in the expansion. That'll be fun. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Terrence McKenna. Terrence McKenna. Can you talk about Time Wave Zero? Uh, we can mention that briefly. I wasn't going to focus too much on Terrence because we covered him a little bit before. I am going to talk about him briefly, but also talk about Rick Strassman and all of his oh, studies. Yeah. That's that book, right? The Spirit Molecule? The Spirit Molecule, yes. And I'm covering specifically his book that I have right here, a more recent book. 
Inner Paths to Outer Space, which he did with several other doctors, MDs and PhDs, on this with newer studies and crazy tales of people's exploration. Interesting. And corroborative things. And at the very end, we'll get into just a little bit of the connection made with Fayfolk again. Oh, the fairy connection. Really interesting stuff coming up. Yes! If you are not an expansion member yet, head over to beliefhold.com, click that magical expansion button, and join us as we head further into the mysteries of the psychedelic world. All right, we're going to take a little break. We'll be right back. But in this break, we've got a little special treat for you. So stick around. Access granted. So like I said, we're doing something a little bit different in this break. We're teaming up with some podcasts that we thought would be a really good fit for you guys. This is the first one. It's called Guide to the Unknown, hosted by siblings Will and Kristen. They're great people, they're funny, and they cover a lot of similar things that we do. Guide to the Unknown is both an audio and video show. They do a live show on their YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash GTTU pod. Guide to the Unknown has an absolutely enormous archive of episodes covering hauntings, horror movies, folklore, and cryptids. They drop a new episode every Friday. Follow them at GTTU pod for more. So now we're going to play a little clip from Guide to the Unknown. This is Kristen and Will talking about the first ever Mothman sighting. We'll leave all their show information below in the show notes. So go check them out, give them some love, and tell them Belief Hole sent you. There are two couples who are on a lover's lane Mm-hmm. That is also near, quote, a decommissioned explosives factory from World <laughs> War II. Trying to see some fireworks. <laughs> oh, they're trying to create some fireworks. I guess so. They see a seven-foot-tall white creature. It follows them, even hovering above their car, flying it up to 100 miles per hour. That, I remember, is that they were, like, really gunning it. Yeah. And the Mothman was able to keep a pace with them. I have a quote here. It says, um, let's see if that bastard can do 90. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. So after revisiting all the information from the first half, let me just reiterate a little bit of what's going on, because it was a little convoluted because there's a lot of moving parts and pieces. Essentially, we have this character convincing the Ministry of Defense to dig for this lost treasure that he dreamt about, was told about in a dream. The same time you have these psychics involved, like the chief psychic Laganova, suggesting to the Ministry of Defense that it's not a treasure. It's not a treasure of gold, but a a proto-human, a star child, a cosmic man kept beneath the earth here, buried from millennia's past that holds the secrets of man's past, present, and his future if he wants to survive the coming apocalypses of the world, what have you. you what know. a bum rap. He's having to live under the earth Well, he's not. It's, millennia. Well, it's supposedly androgynous, I guess, as the story goes. It doesn't have a gender. It is the cloth from which all humanity is cut, this idea of star seeding. Mm-hmm. Prometheus, right? The right. alien movie that people say is hit or miss. You have the fans and the critics, but that idea of this proto-human, this source of all humanity, universal being, buried there. Anyway, so the dig is happening. However they got into it, whatever psychic manipulation schemes going on, or just the hunt for treasure to save the economy of Bulgaria, you have this hunt and the tunnel is being dug in 1990. And amidst this time, there is a commission formed towards the end of the two years. Not much is being found. You have psychics saying, dig a little further, dig a little deeper. Here's our sketches and our automatic writing telling us of symbols 
information being passed that harnesses all the information of humankind that could be needed and to save us in the future. A great wealth of information that would help our modern science, medicine, you know, the, the so usual they're stuff. They're channeling the Akashic this. Records kind of deal. The remote viewing and automatic writing it. Specifically, uh, Laganova. She is really the, the main one here. I think Marina, the one who tragically commits suicide later on, she was only involved in the reconnaissance and then her whole, whole story went sideways. And it's really tragic. And her dad, who was involved in this that I mentioned earlier, the colonel, Colonel Naplatanov, that's a story for another time, maybe towards the end of the episode. But here we are at the dig. And during this dig, as I said, towards the end of it, 1992, there's a commission formed and they have experts involved to corroborate this information. Is it worth continuing the dig? But during the dig, things are happening. There is phenomena, unexplained phenomena that's being witnessed by multiple people. And yes, like what? Let's explore some of that now. Yeah. So surrounding this dig, surrounding the site in the town and the people that are living there, strange things begin to occur. People are experiencing strange phenomena. Unexplained events are happening all around. And we've got a few of those examples here. This comes from who, Jer? This comes from Kirill Kunev. Not the colonel. I believe this is a guy, I linked in the show notes, this Bulgarian translation to English of this conference, this meeting of the commission, a report, giant wealth of information, but you can find it with links in our show notes. But he is the one who kind of brought this report out and it's it's a massive piece of information. So you guys can check it out. But that's where this comes from, was from his translation. Okay, so according to this report, in this period from November 1992 to November 93, the Foundation of Cosmonetic Investigations registered 27 observations of anomalous occurrences in this area, in Sarichina. All told, there were 26 witnesses that had experienced a range of strange phenomena, including 21 UFO sightings, two poltergeist cases, one sighting of a 12-inch tall green-blue little humanoid, and one observation of a triple sun. Among some other... Triple sun, that's new. Yeah. Could have been a sun dog. You know, the mm-hmm. sun dogs where you have the weather phenomena where you like a rainbow circles around the sun and you see sort of duplications of the... Those aren't really duplications of the sun. Well, they're just glow... They're little rainbows. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't put this down. Um, That just brings me to a thought that's interesting here. This whole idea of the seances with these mediums who are being either sent information from psychogenic weapons or channeling, channeling guides. Is there a problem here when it comes to the trickster? right? The ultra-terrestrial, some demonic presence, whatever you want to call it, something that is, because obviously there's a lot of tragedy involved in this and not just the case we mentioned earlier. With connection to here, we reported the poltergeist occurrences. Mm -hmm. Just like Skinwalker Ranch, there's a a malevolent force that's not just necessarily extraterrestrial, right? Might not be extraterrestrial at all, but there are forces here that are non-human. And I think that that's interesting, especially when you bring in like the seances and the automatic writing. There is definitely a crossover with channelers and then also simple Ouija-esque mediumship. Right. You know, what? what's really going on? I just think that that's an interesting mm-hmm. question, especially with, with what kind of comes out of this. For sure. Sorry, continue. Let's explore some of these. So there's two cases in particular initially that are referenced here that are illustrative of the phenomenon that's going on. John, do you want to read this first case here? So this comes from that collection of incidents during the dig. In the evening of August 2nd, 1993, Ivan Malev and Kalina and Maria Mincheva sat on the terrace. At about 11.35 p.m., Kalina Mancheva noticed two unusual circles to the southwest, 2.5 meters in diameter, and called others to come and see. Father Mincho Minchev joined them. All four observed the phenomenon. Both objects emitted rays from the center and rotated clockwise. Both objects descended to the field about 150 meters below. The sighting lasted eight minutes. A few minutes later, still to the southwest, 
there appeared two yellow flaming spheres about two and a half feet in diameter and eight feet apart from each other. Both spheres followed the path of the earlier circles, and when reaching the tree line, one of the spheres became dark red, then both disappeared. Mm. There was no noise. Ominous. Strange. The silent glowing orbs reminds you of Brian's story. Yeah. They disappeared. Say that. Oh, from the last listener stories mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, yeah. The flaming spheres. Yeah. yeah it's just it's a little taste of some of the phenomena that's going on, right? Yeah. There's another case in the beginning of June 1992 at the residence of Elka Karova. When dogs began to howl, Elka noticed a flaming red elliptical object with rumble. Flames. R- what? It was just the flames. That's that's the UFO I saw had the flaming. Oh, yeah, with the lava. Oh, the kind of like, lava light. Yeah, undulating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a real phenomenon. I, you know, the, these kind of corroborative nodes of truth are there in a lot of these stories. The, yeah. with your story. We ain't making it up. So when the dogs began to howl, Elka noticed a flaming red elliptical object with rhomboid protrusions. It moved at an altitude of four to five meters toward the famous excavation. The sighting lasted five minutes. The next day, Ilka felt tired and exhausted, unable to do anything. So I guess in the majority of the cases, it was supposed to be some sort of mysterious energy field. Mm-hmm. That was the idea. That wasn't really interacting. The object was physical? Yeah. Oh, in one case, the object was physical. Okay. The next case we're going to talk about, there was the physical object. Okay. I just want to make a quick mention here that it's interesting because the author of, I believe, this report, or the one who put it together, maybe Kirill Kunev, it's kind of hard to understand with, the, with all the translation, but he believed that wherever there are UFO encounters, there is death. Hmm. And he believed that a lot of this was psychotronic, telepathic manipulation, torture, testing, experimentation from either extraterrestrials or some other sentience, some other, because you have a lot of this energy draining going on. You yeah. have people with Marina, we talked about the psychic who ends up taking her life. There is this kind of weird energetic, and I don't know if it's just in, Bulgaria in this area, but the belief at the time when this was written in the 90s, he believed that like the UFOs were like a bad, bad thing. Just an interesting point, because that's a twist from the psychic's perspective that this is a cosmic oneness, one source. Right. So that they call it, refer to it as the higher intelligence, the higher mind, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. So is it a trickster? Is it something else? Anyway, sorry. So in, in this next case, we have a physical object reported. So later at the end of May 1992, Daniel Deutschev, residing in the village of Busendol, was awoken by an intense light coming from the window. He saw in his yard a dark conical object about six meters or 20 feet high. Dioichev tried to approach the object, but it rose with a muffled sound, its base emitting flames. John, there's the flaming thing again. Same thing. The next morning, Dioichev found a round circle of crushed grass several meters in diameter. So there's a, there's a first like physical- yeah, like trace evidence. Right. So I guess 26 out of 27 cases occurred between December 1990 and August 93. So in that dig period during the Sarichna expedition. One case occurred in the winter of 1953. This is interesting. Between 53 and 54, Dr. Stephen Siorov, Sarichna's parish priest, Boris Anglikov, observed a landing near the village of a, quote, saucer with a cover from which exited three humanoid figures described by the priest as Santa Clauses. Santa Clauses. Kind of a nice... Kind of ironic, too, that a priest would say that he saw Santa Claus. (laughs) It's a very (laughs) secular response. Interesting. So those are creatures being seen coming out of a craft. Who knows? So that goes to the point. This happened in the 50s. They look like Santa Clauses. No more detail on that. Yeah. What aspects of Santa Claus did they have? Did they have the outfit? Maybe just the jolly demeanor and presence, perhaps? Maybe they just were like heavy set, bearded, white 
aliens. Uh, fudgy, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's interesting because, yeah, you have all those. What if they actually had the outfits, like the, <laughs> the they, red I would imagine. velvet suit? You kind of have to, otherwise it could just be like a drunk hobo. You're the Nordics, right? The very tall, blonde, blue-eyed, mm-hmm. pale white. Maybe this was an older bearded one with, because they often have jumpsuits for whatever reason. Red jumpsuits, blue jumpsuits. Right. just had a red jumpsuit and a beard. And it was tall. Yeah. Pudgy. We can't ask him. There's some weird ones out there like Pascagoula. Remember those guys with the claw hands and the blubbery skin we did all those years ago? Fascinating Reminds account. me of uh, Clowns from Outer Space. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a whole phenomenon. Remember that movie? Talking about the movie. Oh, yeah. I never saw the movie. That's so weird. Remember you talking about it? I think the animatronics are supposed to be pretty great in that, right? I mean, it's just really bizarre. Mm-hmm. I think I saw it in a kid and it, and it just gave me nightmares. Isn't it like Atomic Clowns from Outer Space or something? Or is it just Clowns Maybe from Outer Space? Maybe it's, yeah, something like that. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It's crazy. Watch but it's uh yeah it's kind of freaky but it's also not it's weird you should i mean it's a it's definitely worth like a perusal <laughs> a perusal <laughs> like you just kind of skim through it to the parts that are yeah it's weird let's watch it let's That's, do a watch along they're the the clowns are like these big fat like they're the faces are, are like completely alien? like it's like not clay but they're like puppet it's hard to Paper explain mache? no they're like they're like spongy Oh, weird. But they, they have emotion. Uh-huh. They're like... It sounds disturbing already. It is. It's just weird. <laughs> Try to picture it. It's and funny because... like smiling. And they can mimic people's voices. Oh, that's creepy. Dude. That sounds like the author we need to interview still. Tim Marjanko. Yeah. And his trickster entity with the, the echoing of familiar voices. Oh, it's funny because in the expansion episode, we will be talking about the clown archetype in the DMT experiences. The really? gest- The gesture and the clown, yeah. Mm. It's very common. Scary. Creepy stuff. Yeah. Is that all you had there, Chris? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's a couple corroborative accounts. Well, but to your point, though, what you were going to say, I think, was that the point of the 1953 incident in this area is just it goes to show that there were events occurring well before the stick in this area. Is this some sort of prelude to what was to come? Did they leave something behind in the 1950s or were they looking for whatever was being right. dug up later? Well, then that's the argument, too. The idea that there are these, these Santa Clauses. I mentioned earlier that the star system Roro and the star system Kiki, that the Ministry of Defense team believed were waging war or fighting over this specific area through their conduits, through their avatars, their channelers. Yeah. This area is supposed to be special. There is a long history of paranormal phenomena, just general aura of mystery and energy here. Oh, and an interesting aspect, we're going to get into some of the psychic stuff now, if you're ready for it. One of the things that this reminds me of specifically is that there's a story that Laganova, when these UFO sightings and things were happening during the dig, she received communication from wherever, whatever this is, Roro or whoever, that everyone needed to get inside. And by the way, the only people allowed to dig here were officers. It was a small crew. It seemed like most people reported like a dozen or so people most of the time were working here. For the majority of the early excavations before the real science engineers and stuff came in, it was only officers because the the higher power whatever suggested that they only could trust the military because they were honorable men and they weren't subject to politics, blah, 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 like supposedly the academics might be. For whatever reason, so while they were digging, these military officers, there was a message supposedly given to Loganova that said, everyone stay inside. They're coming down. They want to go down the tunnel. The crafts, the people inside these Weird. these entities from the inside the lights, whatever. You can't see them. Everyone stay in your trailers. They're going in. And so these things supposedly come down and land. And they're already seeing the lights in the sky. And that's when they go inside. And they come down. All they hear from inside their excavation trailers or whatever is barking from the dogs at whatever these things are outside, supposedly scurrying down into the tunnel to see the proto-human that exists there, whatever ancient information is stored. Just a weird kind of anecdote to this whole prelude of the ending of the dig. 
So let's get into some of the, the psychic situation here, because we, we haven't gotten deep into that. That's what's guiding this entire thing, right? right? From the beginning. Laganova is the chief one after Marina has kind of not been allowed or has been moved aside, essentially. It's been Laganova. There's another key player, isn't there, in the psychic situation? Unless you don't want to talk about her. Oh, I'm going to get to that. Okay. Real quick, during the commission of like, well, let's evaluate what's going on. Should we keep digging? 1992, tunnels being dug. Are we wasting our money? There's a change of administration at this point where it's new people in charge at the top. I forgot all the names in front of me, basically saying like, we need to reevaluate our dig here. We're spending all this money. Amongst this commission, this information comes out. This is from Dmitry Ovkarov, who is a historical archaeological expert. And he gets involved because he's visited by a representative of the Ministry of Defense at his office at the National Archaeological Museum. This is now no slouch. He knows his stuff. They warn him that he must promise not to speak to anybody about what he sees. They show him 30 to 40 sheets of signs and symbols, automatic writings from Laganova about information channeled to her, information channeled from the whole, from this, you know, ancient source of great knowledge that needs translated. After he examines this, he concludes that it looks like Egyptian writing, some cuneiform texts, think Sumerian, right? With some Japanese, Chinese hieroglyphics thrown in. Is this some proto-language from the earliest man where all languages sprung from, right? This was a possible idea. He noticed that all of these were written down in a notebook. He doesn't know anything about Sarichina or the dig, what's going on. Yeah. He, this is just brought to him. He asks, is this from papyrus, parchment? Can I see the original? And again, we can't show you this. I can't tell you. This is the official line. He looks at it again and consults his coworkers, specialists in Egyptian and Hittite. Their assessment is skeptical. Anyways, he ends up suggesting you should send it away to experts out of the country, people that are maybe better versed at different, you know, universities, et cetera. He later learned that the Ministry of Defense had sent copies abroad and did receive answers. And so he's like, well, why did they come to me at all? Later, apparently, he finds out that they came to him for deciphering of the writings because, quote, the higher power, or they, as the Ministry of Defense referred to them often, had sent a message to Laganova that said, in the National Archaeological Museum, there is a person named Dimitri who will help you. Ooh, weird. That person was me, he says. There was no other Dimitri there. And then he was quoted He's as, like the janitor. He was quoted as saying, I understand that I was selected, quote, from above to take part in this endeavor. I don't know if I have met the expectations of extraterrestrials, Roro, or others. Weird. And I don't know if that was tongue-in-cheek, if he yeah. believed in this. Right. But these were the results that he reported that they did get. He said about 10 or 12 from these foreign experts, 10 or 12 people said, these are not serious, we're not interested, likely, probably fake. Professor Isaac Fitchman from Israel thinks that it's a ciphered information, copied probably from papyrus, but said nothing definite. Six or seven people thought at the time that it was Hittite or Chinese. Some even proposed that these writings are from South America. So from all over, looks like there's symbols. There's like 800 repeated symbols, supposedly, that are not recognizable, meaning potentially from a language. All of this was left open for the commission, which was appointed by the Ministry of Defense, together with the mystery of the Sarichina excavation. Interesting. So it definitely was at least aspects of different languages right in there. So it wasn't just gobbledygook. And the skeptics of Laganova, you know, she was in university and had crafting experience with different things and knew some symbols that she admitted to knowing, have a brief understanding. So that's, of course, the skeptical, which is understandable. But there's a lot of ways you can go with it. Was it misinformation given by a channeled source? You know what I mean? Or was it really some proto-human? Oh, you never know what these things, you know? So at this point, after, so let's say at the time of all the automatic writing, the remote viewing, they're not sure where they're going exactly. It still feels a little lost. They decide to consult Grandma, Baba Vanga. Oh, yes. John, you know Baba Vanga, right? Yeah. So Baba Vanga, essentially she was like the grandmother of the country at the time, this, this prophetess. She was like the Bulgarian Nostradamus, right? Exactly. Some people said that she was up to 80% accurate. 
I'm sure that's subjective. A lot of things. We don't have time to get into her whole story, but it is fascinating. She loses her sight because she was thrown by a tornado at an as, early as age. A child, yeah. And eventually develops these psychic abilities to predict the future. Really fascinating character. Anyway, she's very old at this point. She's renowned over there. I'm just going to read here, kind of translate here the conversation. This is the conversation when the psychics and the team from the Ministry of Defense go to talk to Baba Vanga regarding the, the case about what they're experiencing down in the tunnel about the digging. And this is their there. conversation. This is their conversation. Vanga. There are soldiers there. It won't fall or won't fail. General. Yes, yes. We're reinforcing and spectating, Aunt Vanga. Vanga. Reinforce and spectate. Come when you find the stairs. General. When we reach the stairs. Vanga. God be with you. God be with you. Vanga says, come again when you find the stairs. So what stairs is she talking yeah, about? Yeah, pretty cryptic. Right? There are reports of them finding the stairs, according to the colonel in his book, so after this meeting with the supervisor of the project, they go back to vigorously continue work. But later in the recording, Vanga asks about a human head. Have you found the head? Uh-oh. Have you found the obelisks and symbols? Did you find a human head? A human head? Asked the psychic. Vanga, did you find the obelisk? Psychic. Yes, we did. Vanga, symbols? Psychic. Geometric ones, triangles, crosses. Vanga, this is a great secret. Who will discover it? So she seems to be... <laughs> I wish we could put the Jeremy face right after. That would be perfect. My face of curiosity? You look very in the moment there. I was trying to get into it. Papa Vanga. I think that means grandma. Grandma Vanga? Grandma. So this seems like she's establishing that there is something there. Keep digging. Reports have said that she warned not to dig any further. And that's what's interesting too is that... Yeah, that's interesting. She made this cryptic warning, allegedly, according to some sources, that you need to stop. It's at a distance of, I forget, let's just say 100 meters. They end up stopping three meters shy of that, inexplicably stopping. Were they afraid of what they would find based on her warning? So this is what she goes on to say. This is from other unconfirmed sources, quote unquote. I don't know if this is in the book. This is from Laganova, but this is what she apparently goes on to say, according to sources. She says, you'll reach a capsule, the contents preserved. You don't know if the capsule is under pressure. What will you do with that monkey? Neither man nor woman. If the airtight lid would open, the creature would come to life. What would you do when it wakes up and speaks to you? Weird. So she's... So a non... So a, a monkey... An androgynous monkey man at the bottom would come out of a tube and speak to you. In other words, this cosmic man, neither man nor woman, whatever, original human... A moomin? This cosmic deposit supposedly could be reactivated by the air and come back to life. A moomin. A moomin? <laughs> you can't get over the moomin, can you? Sorry. Um, anyway, so that's that's the psychic impression. Yeah, that's a vision for sure. Yeah. What would you do, John, if a moomin monkey woke up in a tube underground and started to tell you the meaning of the universe? I'd probably be happy. Because <laughs> it's a simple kind of man. Because, but let me say, but because <laughs> John just sits there and smiles. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I don't know. I would, I would, I don't know. I would probably think I was dreaming. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. Is this all a dream? That's the question. Somebody dosed your sparkling water. It is already a dream. I know that. This it's is true. not the real world. I'll just wait for the expansion. I'm going to blow your mind. Well, before we get there, let's wrap this guy up because the story has kind of an interesting end here. Colorless tapestry of physical reality. Beautifully said, John. <laughs> Colorless? Is that what you said? Compared to what dreams may come. That's yes, right. John, yes. The prophetess John speaks. <laughs> Baba Jana. <laughs> Grandmother John. <laughs> classic. Okay, so this is important to know. This ties in with some of the psychic stuff, but also the mysterious mysterious deaths and subterranean signal in the area. This ties in with some of the paranormal phenomena. Locals have claimed to have seen strange radiance coming from the ground. 
And from what I could tell, this happens even before the Surichan expedition begins going back. There were supposedly stories of this light emanating. And this, this goes to the tragedy a little bit of Marina, the first psychic involved. In 1991, Professor Naplatanov, who was her father, filed a complaint to the defense minister, according to a resolution, to the National Assembly as well. In his complaint, the professor described why, after sealing the hole, multiple people who worked on the site started to die suspiciously. Weird. Naplatanov's daughter, Marina, killed herself in 1991 by jumping off a building, but medical records don't show any mental disorder. In 1995, Naplatanov himself was found dead under a bridge in Sofia, which is the capital, 45 minutes away. Officers working on site allegedly went, quote, insane or got severely ill. Witnesses claim Naplatanov was murdered. Others claim that from the beginning of the excavations until his last days, the professor gradually changed. He became suspicious, nervous, and was tormented by something. And this probably goes to the point because his daughter was being tormented by yeah. what he thought was a psychotronic weapon until she killed herself. That's scary. Yeah. In 1994, a Bulgarian daily newspaper reprinted interesting information from a German newspaper. This is kind of interesting. According to the article, the German space satellite detected unknown powerful gamma rays coming from Bulgaria, one located in the grounds of Sarichina. What? Really? Mm-hmm. And the other was in Eumolpia, an ancient Thracian site. We don't have time to get into Thracians. Ah, oh, it's fascinating That's a culture. Fascinating culture that pre-existed in that area. The data on the observed radiation were reported by the head of the Laboratory for Paranormal Phenomena at the University of Göttingen. The radiation pulsed in a strictly defined rhythm with periodic alterations, which is not typical of natural sources. The phenomenon has been likened to the flashing of reconnaissance lights used in aviation. Interesting. That that whole thing right there sounds like an interesting episode to dig into. Exactly. Everything in here, there's little side tangents yeah. that could be their own topics. This flashing reconnaissance-esque beaming light from undergrounds of Sarichina is interesting too, because I mean, if you want to take with any grain of salt, what I think Laganova was saying that whoever she was in communication with was from the planet Photon or something. And there's a lot of information with regards to how photons of light could change genetic material at a cellular level. Again, we have light beaming, we have flashing light. Is there a connection there? Is there some reality to that? Yeah, lots of dissect for sure. Yeah. Anyways, so as I said, unfortunately, all of the documents and records relating to the operation are either classified missing or have been destroyed, according to multiple sources. Except for that book, right? Except for the colonel's book, if you want to believe him. And then the commission, we have the reports that'll be linked in the document of the report based on the commission. The last thing I want to get into here is, I think, one of the most interesting aspects of this that I haven't really heard anywhere else. Maybe I just haven't come across it, but the deeper conspiracy, the psychotronic attack. This is an interesting personal anecdote from the father of Marina, the first psychic involved. But first, let me just say how the whole dig concluded. Of course, it only lasted about two years. And as I said, they shut down seemingly inexplicably. Uh, geological surveys supposedly suggested that there was a river beneath. And if they dug any deeper, that that river would come through and flood. Oh, I wonder if that was Baba Vaga's warning. Well, the argument was that if you know there's a river there, is there a way to account for that and still dig? It's convenient or inconvenient, whichever way you want to look at it, that right. the river exists just beyond that wall, just beyond where the proto-human exists. You know, was it a convenient cover story or right. an inconvenient reality of the river, you know? What's the reality to that? So they shut it down after two years, right before they reached that final destination that was supposedly prophesied where that creature thing, Universal Man, would the be. The Moomin monkey. So yeah, was it a way for military leaders to funnel money out of a dying Bulgarian economy during this great transition into a, a democratic country? Very elaborate way to wash money. Gotta give them credit for creativity, right? If that's really what it was. Of course, as I said, all the official documents and records were classified missing or have been destroyed according to several sources, including the commission we talked about. So the last thing I want to talk about is that deeper conspiracy, the use of psychotronic torture, electronic harassment, weapons testing, and murder, allegedly. Murder. 
Thank you, John. I was <laughs> <laughs> well, here to really hit it home. <laughs> um, this is the official complaint by the father, Colonel Professor Naplatanov, the chief of the scientific section of the general staff, heavily involved in this. And again, his daughter, Marina, the psychic who committed suicide. This is, I just want to read this brief bit here. This is from his official complaint in 1991. On January 1st, 1991, came a visit from my brother-in-law. Now this gets really weird, so hold on. Buckle up. My brother-in-law, Major of Special Services, Atanas Ivanov, Atanasov. This evening, his father, in his 80s, a former member of the state security, asked me if I have read about a new terrible weapon in the USSR, the Lipton weapon. That's the rep- weapon I was referring to earlier, the psychotronic weapon. At that time, I did not know that this is a weapon which tortured his granddaughter, my daughter, as I did not suspect that my wife's brother would participate in the murder of my daughter, his niece, Marina, the psychic contactee who was involved at the oh, very wow. beginning of this in the reconnaissance of the Sarichina area before Laganova got involved. Major Atanasov, which I guess is her grandfather and his, I guess, father-in-law, came to my house and stated that he is a, quote, cosmic man. I am a cosmic man. That he and his coworkers work on some special machines and all day yell, Kikita, Rikita, Kikita, Rikita. Yep, I know. You can <laughs> okay. laugh now. He explained that Kiki, and that, again, that's one of the star systems that was in communication yeah, with the channeled one with Marina. He explained that Kiki helped him in the business, whatever that means in Bulgarian translation. He put lights off in the hall and we heard crackling as if from electric discharge. The door to the terrace was open and he ordered me and Marina to jump since there is no other way and that he wanted to kill us himself. He made a big scandal when we refused to give him Marina's notes or records from the writings from, the, from what she was getting from her channeled source. Then he took my wife with him, I think it's his, his daughter, and said that he will return on January 7th, 1991 and take me forcefully to the psychiatric ward. I said that there's only one way to do that, over my dead body. Then I added a bunch of his report out. Again, this is a letter to his boss essentially saying I need to be re- relocated. My daughter was killed on February 8th, 1991 at 9.15, when she was forced to jump from a 10-story balcony. That night, those who scoffed at her dictated a message. I, psychic Dmitry Zirokov, have outwitted Colonel Professor Naplatinov. That's who's writing this. And that guy, Dmitry Zirokov, is the guy who first got this whole thing started and brought on board Laganova, the new psychic. So there's all this weird scheming going on with the different psychics and these battling star system channelers. He continues, Investigative team listed her death as a suicide. I'm convinced that murder was accomplished by means of biosensors of psychological influence. Who did that? May say General Minchev, Sirokov, Major Atanasov, and Dora Petrova. They were all involved at the beginning of this whole thing. In the evening after the murder of my daughter, Atanasov, which was her grandfather, arrived, drunk like a pig, and stated, quote, In this house, more will die. It is only the beginning. Napanatanov, the colonel who wrote this, later jumped to his death. Wow, Weird. there's a lot there. Yeah, there is. Yeah, it's ob- a whole thing, man. Obviously, like this is either tragic reality, tragic uh, misunderstanding of the events, or some mental illness issue going on mm-hmm. here. Because definitely, or some of it kind of reads like a bit of all. Yeah, mm-hmm. mass hysteria or manipulation by psychics, or maybe even manipulation by some channel spirit or technology entity. There's all different kinds of avenues, ways you can look at this. The last thing I want to mention here: part of this whole commission in this report that we've linked in the show notes which is so hard to find, by the way, so check it out. This is the expert evaluation by the working group on psychotronics. They said that basically they're breaking down like three different elements to this. One, the so-called object, the target underground, and how to reach it. 
Two, the psychic contactee, her condition, ability, and realization. And three, the unusual occurrences accompanying the object and the contactee. At this point in the commission, they were saying, we could continue looking. This is how we'd have to do it, but this is what we're concerned about. They say, the second, the psychic contactee in her condition, and the third element, unusual occurrences, paranormal phenomena, have no doubt psychotronic characteristics. And according to received information, it can be concluded that the first element has similar characteristics. Oh, that maybe all of this was coordinated through a psychotronic effect. Interesting. Potential suggestion. Information which is sent through psychic but unknown to us partners say that it is a, quote, highest intelligence in the universe and at other times calls itself, quote, civilization higher than human. These statements confirm hypothesis A and B, but facts and discrepancies indicate that there could be another hypothesis, which were forwarded during these discussions during this hearing. Scientific technical achievement in some advanced country. This is hypothesis three, the control from an outside source. Hmm. Even another powerful country testing their psychotronic technology. Who wants to hurt Bulgaria? Since as of late, paranormal occurrences are exclusively active in Bulgaria, it could be assumed that our country is an object of distant influence. Hypothesis D. And then the final addendum. They expressed an opinion that official science should accept extraordinary events and deal with them, and repeats the suggestion to form a foundation which will support financially furthering the research. Well, I agree with that statement, regardless of where you are in the world. Yeah. But I mean, maybe because Bulgaria at the time was a suffering country in turmoil, economically, politically, it was a target to test something like this. Oh, I see. Like maybe people wouldn't put up much of a fuss because they were not doing great anyway and people weren't paying much attention. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Or people, maybe even military people, you could grease the wheels, look the other way, or get them involved to help because corruption. It's a very involved yeah. prank to play on someone. I thought looking at this topic, I would just find whether or not, you know, forces actually battled an entity underground. Right. Yeah, you seem to have dug up an entirely new corner of the story. Yeah. Which so, is the psychic conspiracy. There is a mystery in Sarichina, guys. And yeah, and I don't know our, what the answer is. Any of our seven Bulgarian listeners out there, please give us any yes. information you have <laughs> regarding your homeland. Let us know. I know what you guys think. And the mysteries there. Yeah, this was a deep and wide and wrangly topic that spiraled in all different kinds of directions. And actually, I just came across another show, Campfire Tales podcast, that I saw did this. I haven't heard it yet, but definitely check that out for more on this topic. I hope we gave you enough. I know it was probably was a little discombobulated because there was I just found so much at the end I wanted to Plus get the in there. names, it gets so confusing. It's hard when, yeah, they're not names we're used to. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to latch on to them. Yeah, for sure. But maybe with a little bit of editing, it'll be a little bit easier for people to... Yeah, I'll just, I'll drop in some computer voices that say the names correctly. Loginova. Yeah. So anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed that. There's plenty of links in the show notes, tons of places you can dig deeper. Appreciate the show notes. They're almost a show unto themselves. Yeah. Yeah, you want to start your own show, just follow our show, show notes and you can... Don't say that. There's so much information if you guys are interested to dig dig deeper into this. And, you got a little Uncle John and you guys. Oh, thanks, John. And not you, Uncle John, but like our real Uncle John. Yeah. <laughs> he was a lawyer, but he, he I mean, was. he loved researching. Yeah, he was a fascinating guy. Yeah. I think we talked about in early on the show. Kind of you know, I was putting us. our books up on the shelves, on Uncle John's shelves down there. I was reorganizing the books today and, you know, research books. ufology, 40 and research, all this stuff. And that's all we have on those bookshelves. I was thinking like, this is Uncle John's fault that we're doing this in the first place. <laughs> so it kind of makes sense that all these books are going back yeah. into his bookshelves. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Uncle John. Hi, Uncle John. Okay, I hope he can hear us. You know, we're going to find out if he can hear us when we start doing those ITC experiments. Oh, that's right. What's that? Remember the episode we did on... Intertranscommunication? Uh, Bocce and the spirit radio mm-hmm. and then the ITC where you, you can like rig television monitors to look at themselves with recording equipment a certain way where you can actually see the other side. Old VHS cameras. Weird faces come into that? view. Yeah. I'm definitely doing it. I, I want to do totally the, safe. I think the, the camcorder one sounds really fascinating. Yeah. That'd be a, a fun little video to do. We could do it live. 
So we're not pulling any gimmicks. No, let's... It doesn't seem as dangerous as a Ouija board, you know? Yeah. It's like you can see something, but you're not like communicating actively. What if John was just like... He's just looking in. <laughs> yeah. He's like writing on a chalkboard. <laughs> Eating some nuts. <laughs> oh, he loved his he nuts. He likes nuts. He did. Anyways, guys, speaking of nuts, we uh, have some patrons to thank. I was going to say, speaking of nuts, let's get crazy in the expansion episode. If you like expansion episodes, <laughs> you can become a patron for $7. We'll read your name right now. Good segue. Whoa. Oh, sorry. I was all confused. So I was trying to link it. Jeremy's crazy corner. Chris's nutty corner. No. Oh, boy. Chris's nutty sack. Nope. Chris's <laughs> nutty door. No, no, I don't need nutty. How about the nut room with Chris? <laughs> 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 Makes no sense. We are delirious here. Join us at the nut room with Chris. Chris's compendium of fascinating occurrences. There you go. Chris's brain damage center. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yes, we do have some thank yous. Okay, guys. And if you're not an expansion member yet and want to join the crazy, the fun out there, awesome, interesting conversations we have in the belief hole in the expansion. Listen, you've made a lot of mistakes in your life. This is one thing you won't regret. Don't let this be one of those mistakes. No. This is one thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we have it together. Don't not signing up be one of, don't let don't that be one of your mistakes. Up, yes. And you won't regret it. Yes. <laughs> also true. Still true. Yeah, sign up, guys. Right now, it's five fifty a month for double the episodes and into our I mean, expansion 550 episodes. $5.50 a month can buy you happiness. It's true. Mm-hmm. Money can't always buy happiness, but for the price of a, a cup of coffee a month. It can buy you a month of happiness. It can buy you an extra couple hours of happiness. That's right. <laughs> and hey, that's something, right? Go to Bleepful.com, click on the expansion button to sign up. And if you sign up with the black-eyed cool kid tier, well, you, my friend, will hear yourself on a future episode like these friends of the whole today uh, last thing i was gonna say if you haven't heard your name yet and you did sign up before we changed the tier don't worry we'll get to you eventually we're in january so just so you know, you know. january ended in like mid-march people have no idea what that means we're reading the names of people who yes. signed up in january okay. so if you sign up between january and march you're still gonna have your name read just not quite yet we're gonna get to you yeah. we gotta go through we changed the tier mid-march right if you sign up mid-march well you would have known you would have read it but if you sign up for seven dollars you get your name read so uh yes that what is, is that, cool kids Black eyed cool kids. Black eyed cool kids. And we have some dog whisperers. And we got a couple whales that will be coming. Yes. Skywell Riders. Some very, very generous folks that are are helping us stay alive in the hole right now. And you will be getting an extra special thank you. Extra special. Next next episode. Not going to name names, but you're going to get a special shout out the next episode. We got some special dog man whisperers too. So come on. Skywell Riders, dog man whisperers, and black eyed cool cool kids kids alike. Sign up. Thanks for supporting the hole. Yes. We love you. All right. So special thank yous today. Thank you to Oh yeah cha 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 Thank you to Richard Cherry Richard Cherry put him on top of my ice cream that's all I got to say <laughs> Corey thank you Corey for joining the whole Corey is a story lover Are you good or bad Corey Yes Welcome to be here No one's going to get that Simon and Garfunkel reference Chris Excellent. Simon and Garfunkel Yes Oh I see Continue. I was thinking Richard Corey. No, no, no. Cecilia Myland. Oh, right. There's Cecilia. a Simon Garfunkel reference right there. Not your land, but my land. Excellent. No stopping now. Ray Edwards, welcome in, my friend. Yeah. Welcome to be here, Ray. Yes. Do you know John? Yes. John Edwards? Yeah, the crossover guy. I was going to say it, but the, then you, I thought that was dumb. The psychic or the candidate? Excellent. <laughs> the psychic. Welcome to Brian Page. All right. Brian. Turn him over. Paging Mr. Herman. Austin Gage right. is here. Welcome, Austin Gage. Keep him out of the cage. He can't be held, Austin Gage. We gauge 100% for you. Excellent. Nope. 
makes no sense. <laughs> no, it's like the gauge. Okay. Oh, like the size? Yeah, like, like we're gauging. He's 100%. All right. Yeah, yeah I'll take all it. All the time. Welcome in. Jaded Milton. All right. It's jaded? good to see you, my friend. Jaden. Oh, I think it's a jaded. Jaded, jaded, jaden. Jaden is not jaded. He is here in the hole and he believes. Excellent. Welcome to be here, Jaden. Yes. Just Jay is here. Just Jay, all right. Just Jay in the house. Welcome, Jay. Thank I you. like it. Simple is good. I think I talked to Just Jay, but I can't remember. Christopher Keller? Yes. Oh, no. no better feller than Christopher Keller, and I yes. tell you. I love the yes. alliteration. We love it. Little Asian? Age- age- alliteration. <laughs> Don't want to spend time in that prison cell. What? It's an Oz reference. It's Keep a character. Keep a stabler. Come on. Let's Scott go. Scott Bunker. Scott Bunker. I will crash with you, my friend, when the world ends and you're... Scott Bunker. Excellent. My dad was in a bunker in Vietnam. No. Excellent. Yeah, he was. He almost died. He was in a bunker. He was in a. He's in many places. He was in many places. Welcome in, sir. Welcome in. We're glad to see you, Scott. Thank you so much for supporting the show. And finally, last but definitely not least, Amanda Rodriguez is here again. Did we say her name before? I think she keeps canceling and coming back just yes. so we keep reading I searched, her name. She, there's only one listing of her in the, in the Okay, emails. well then I'm sorry I said that. <laughs> rude much. It does sound familiar. Welcome in, Amanda Rodriguez. Welcome to have you, Amanda. It's super great that you're here. Super great that you're here. Thank you so much for the support. Yes. We generally, generally, genuinely mean it. All right. If you haven't heard your name yet, don't worry. Stick around. The next few episodes or so, you will hear your yeah, name. We are going to get through this backlog now for sure because we have done the tier transfer. That's right. right. It's a little little more of a jump for people to get their name read, but if you can swing it, we will do it. And we can gives us a chance to catch up to all those that are deserving of their name being read for signing yeah, up. And you really do by doing that. I mean, it's not a ton of extra money, but it helps us. Every little bit helps right now. And, you know, for a lot of people out there, every penny counts. I know what that's like. That's so true. It, yeah. uh, we really do appreciate you guys so much. It's an honor to serve you. Yes, it is. You guys keep us going. You really, really do. We sincerely mean that. And si- sign up and join us to finding inner paths to outer space on the expansion as we speak with some DMT entities. That is a creepy looking alien on top there. Isn't that kind of ominous guy? Well, it's an inner alien. Interesting right? thing about these experiences is that, you know, you hear about DMT elves, there's all sorts of entities. Elves are sort of the more common, but you have reptilians, you have mantids. Turns out Earth is really the most normal place. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> the real realities are much more vivid. That's the right. real realities. Those beyond the veil. Yeah, this is not a real reality. This is a sad version. Yeah, this the is li- unlimited. Oh, that's not, not sad. sad. It is kind of colorless compared to the infinite existence. Once you've broken through, it's hard to go back. Maybe it's. I'm just saying that because it's still winter and it's it's winter end in Ohio. Of April so. and it, it's like never ending winter and it's you just wonder if there ever was such thing as sun. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> it's. Uh, I'm ready for some warmer days here in Ohio. Yeah, it's so dismal. Until then, we're going to trip on some DMT. Right, Chris? Well, we're not. Chris is behind doing drugs. Chris on DMT. <laughs> I want to try it. I'll tell you what. No way. I do. After reading this book, I really do. Chris wanted to make a disclaimer. But you kids out there don't try it because it's illegal. We're not allowed to Chris say that. Chris was saying we're not promoting drug use or anything. But I did try DMT one time, I will say. And I'll talk about it in the expansion. What? Save for the expansion. Mm-hmm. You knew that. I told you that. No, I don't think Save so. your story. Okay. Sign up and hear Jeremy's DMT extravaganza. You don't get that unless you pay the money. <laughs> <laughs> pay us money. <laughs> pay us money. All right, guys. We love you. We love you guys. See you next time on Believe Hole. John. No. Say it. No. Say it. No. Say it. Believe Hole. Yeah. Yeah.